Well, amen. Thank you, man, for again, for just doing such a great job for us every week. Those are good songs to sing, amen? Good, good stuff. Uh, I'm thankful to uh, see you all here today in our gathering time as uh, on what Christians worldwide uh, celebrate as the apex of our faith. I mean, this is really what it's all about, right? Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday, re the resurrection of Jesus. And so for the Refuge Church, um, Easter is why we exist, okay? Easter, uh, the resurrection of Jesus, is why the Refuge Church exists, to make much of the resurrected Jesus. We like to say that phrase, make much of Jesus, is to really make much of the resurrected Jesus, because if Jesus wasn't alive, we're wasting our time, amen? It doesn't matter. Come, hey, come on now. Here we go. It's Easter. I'm going to need a little bit out of you today, okay? I know you guests are like, wait a minute, what kind of church have we walked into? Uh, but I'm just going to, I'll be better if you'll be better, okay? So if I ask you a question, what am I looking for? An answer. That's right, exactly. So look, there are many world religions out there. I mean, lots of different world religions. Many other types of faith that people are drawn into that have <clears throat> this appearance of righteousness, this appearance, the things that you're called to do, the things you're called to go and do, the things you're called to sacrifice are the things that make you righteous in some religious structures. That's not Christianity, okay? That's not what makes us righteous. But I, so I would say that if there's any other faith, or specifically for you, if your faith is not firmly planted in the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, then who cares? Who cares? Why would you even give a nod to Easter if this is not what it's all about? Why would you even care to go find a new outfit, show up and sit in a crowded room with people you don't know, if this is not what it's all about? If there's no validity to Christianity, then why not simply go hunt some eggs, eat some candy, and take a nap? May as well, if this means nothing. We're all wasting our time. But, if Jesus did rise from the dead, if the reason that we come together and celebrating Easter, one, it is the reason why we celebrate Easter, because Jesus did rise from the dead. Amen, church? We believe that Jesus is alive, that he rose from the dead. And if it is true that Jesus did rise from the dead, then we have to be concerned with what it was that he said. The, the issue really boils down to not whether or not you agree with his teaching or not. That's not what it's about. Whether you agree with his teaching or not, if Jesus rose from the dead, then what he says holds the utmost weight. Would you agree with that? If, what Jesus, if Jesus literally rose from the dead after being crucified on a cross in a, in a grave for three days and was alive three days later and is alive today, then what he said means something. Amen? Come on. There we go. There we go. Y'all getting a little better. Y'all getting with me. Come on, y'all 11 o'clock. We ain't nine. <laughs> this is 11. You know what I'm saying? We loose now. We ain't got a time constraint now. So we rolling today, baby. 
Resurrection is not only the, the, the apex of the Christian faith, it's the capstone of the, uh, the Christian faith. You know what a capstone is? I've talked about that here before. But if you've ever, if you've ever seen like this, this archway of an entryway, if you're walking in, you know, into a place or uh, through a place somewhere, and at the top, of, there may be some stone around the sides of it, and at the top, there's a, a stone in the very middle. And that's called the capstone. And that capstone really holds it all together. If you were to pull that stone out, all the other stones would just fall, and that entire entryway or that walkway or whatever it was would fall apart. Same way with the resurrection. If Jesus is not raised from the dead, then all of it falls apart. All of it means nothing, okay? And so the resurrection of Jesus literally is the thing that holds Christianity together. Without it, we should all just go take a nap. Jesus said, he, he, he had some things to say about it. Other people in the scriptures had things to say about it. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, you may again have come today and go, well, my plan to go to heaven or my plan to be right with God is different from Jesus. Jesus was a good teacher. Jesus was a good prophet. Jesus did some good stuff. And so, I mean, you can believe what you want to believe, but I'm going to believe some other stuff. Well, Jesus doesn't leave us that room, okay? Jesus made it very exclusive for the people who were going to follow him for Christianity that says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. He also said this, <clears throat> I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. My fear for many of you today, uh, just like I did when I was growing up, I kind of stepped away from Christianity and the church for a while because I didn't like it. I didn't like hypocrisy. I didn't like the multiple things that I was hearing. I didn't like people to say one thing and live another way. And it was just a way for the enemy to try to keep me away. Some of you live in that world right now. I get it. I've been there. I, I've lived that life for a long time. But the truth is, for us, that Jesus didn't come to condemn you, Okay? Jesus is not here to point his finger at you. Jesus is not here to say, you better act right. You better, start, you better get your act together. You better straighten up today. That's not what Jesus says. You know why? Because the scripture says we're condemned already. We were born into sin. We're going to talk about that just a little bit later. He says, I've come to give you life. I've come to give you not only life, but an abundant life. Uh, Paul talks about, actually Peter talks about this in chapter 4 of Acts. Here's what he says in verse 10. Let it be known to all of you and all the people of Israel by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. By him, this man is standing before you well. So Peter said, I'm standing here before you because of Jesus. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name, say no other name. No other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. No other name except through Jesus. Paul talks about this uh, when he talks about the truth about Jesus in his, church, in his letter to the church at Philippi. He says this in chapter 2, verse 6. He says, Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God to be a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, listen, every knee should bow, say every knee. Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue, say every tongue. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Paul says, every knee will bow. If this is true, and we believe that it certainly is, I have a question. Why do we, or I'll make it a little more personal, why do you reject Jesus? If this is true, and the resurrection is true, and we're going to see today that it was true, that the people, there are literally people around the world, and from this time that the scriptures were even penned, that people around the world celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. If it's true, and it is, why do you reject Jesus? Why do you push him to the side? Why do you try to marginalize the only way for you to be right with God? Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. Use your device, maybe. Your Bible, if you've got one. I'm going to read from Romans chapter 1. I'm going to pick up in verse 16. This is a somewhat of an extended uh, passage, but I think it's very important because it's going to talk about this very question. I think the answer to this very question. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says this. Paul writes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. You'll find that at Refuge. We preach the gospel every week. No matter what passage that we're preaching out of, no matter what text we're finding, we preach the gospel every week. Why? Because of this very truth that, that we are not ashamed of the gospel, for it, the gospel alone, the message of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is the power of God to salvation for anyone who will believe. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And then Paul goes on something that I think we all need to listen to and examine our own selves in light of what the Scripture is telling us today. Paul says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. You ever seen a fire that gets suppressed? Ever seen something that's kind of raging out of control and it gets suppressed? Suppressing means that we're trying to control it, and we're trying to push it down in its place, at a place where it can't be effective any other way, and Paul says that the, the truth, uh, the, the wrath of God is revealed against you if you're suppressing the truth. By your unrighteousness, you are suppressing the truth. I don't believe this. I'm going to live the way I want to. You are suppressing the truth of the gospel message, the saving gospel message, by the unrighteousness in which you live. Verse 19. For what can be known about God is plain. It's plain, he says. Because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. He's like, you can't look around and not see that the hand of God is at work in creation. Verse 21. 
For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Claiming to be smart, they became fools. Claiming to know more than God, they became fools. Claiming to be smarter than the guy that studies the scripture, they became fools. Claiming to be wise, they became fools by suppressing the truth. Their foolish hearts were darkened. And exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. I'm not going to worship God, but I'll worship something else. I'll put something else as my highest value in my life. Therefore, God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. You wanna, if you're not worshiping God today, you're worshiping something else. And the scripture, Paul says, is that you have, cha- you have exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And you're worshiping created things rather than the creator. For this reason, God gave them over to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. He's like God gave them over to their own desires of their flesh, knowing that it shouldn't be done because they chose that as their highest value rather than worshiping the creator. That's some of you. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. A strong word from the Apostle Paul. Here's this pastor's thoughts on this question. Why do we reject Jesus? See, if we didn't marginalize Jesus... We would, have to, we would have to submit to his word and his direction. If we didn't push him out here to the edge, hey, just stay on this part. When I need you, I'll come get you, God. If we didn't marginalize him and just push him over to the, 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 the dark recessed corners of our lives, then we would have to submit my life as I live it out here to him. Over here, I can kind of go get him. He can be my genie in the bottle. That's not who God is. Think on these things. What have you set as a higher value than the Savior of your eternal life? What has taken preeminence in your life? That means the most important piece in yours or your family's life. What's the most important thing? What is, the, what is the thing that keeps you from being an active part of the bride of Christ, which is the church? It doesn't have to be this church. We'd love for you to be part of this church. 
Maybe it's your church, you live somewhere else. Maybe you've got another church in the city. A lot of people preach the gospel. We want you to be a part of a church somewhere that preaches the gospel and lifts up Jesus and says, he is our highest value. But what keeps you, what is that thing that keeps you from that being your highest value? Like it or not, whatever your answer is, is close to that text that I read from Romans 1. For idols that we made have taken the place of Jesus as the ultimate value in our lives. But it's not only activities that we do. It's not only activities that take our time from us, the things we do or believe. It may be some misunderstandings about what Jesus even said. I mean, you may, you may believe some things that aren't even true. I have a list. Things Jesus never said. Listen to your heart. Be true to yourself. Trust your gut. Feel good about who you are. Happiness is what matters. Just be a good person. Most of us have heard those things, right? Most of us, many of us have probably even said some of these things. Many of us... You might even be holding to that right now. Well, that ain't gospel. Jesus didn't say any of those things. And here's what I'm going to say. I love you enough. Some of you I don't even know, but I'm just going to tell you, as a messenger of the gospel, I love you enough to tell you not to be fooled by some cutesy, tootsy sayings that you get off Twitter or Instagram. They're cute. They make for a good postcard, but they can lead you down a path of destruction. I mean, this kind of belief or these kind of sayings can make for some good peaceful moments in our lives. But look, when you're thinking about theology or the study of God, the study of the creator of the universe, and your eternal life rests on what you believe about him, it should be your utmost concern to know what he says and to understand what he says about you and about life and eternal life and what that means for us. So if Easter is true, and we believe that it is, then what do we do with this type of revelation? I'm not talking about the end of the book, so y'all don't get scared. But what do, we, what do we do with this type of understanding, this type of information that you're getting today? Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 and 28 says this, It is appointed unto man once to die, and then what? I'll answer for you. The judgment. It's appointed to man once to die, and then the judgment. The next verse says, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, Not to deal with sin, because he's already done that at the cross, but to save those who eagerly await him. Now, none of us like to think about our own death, right? I mean, we don't. We don't like to think that whatever time we've got left, or when it's coming, or how bad it's going to be, you know. You know, we all pray for the peaceful thing where we just, you know, go to sleep one night and drift off into eternity. That's how we all want to go, but that may not be the case. We don't know how many more rounds around the sun we actually have. None of us actually know any of this. And the, but the truth that we do know from the scriptures is that once we do take our last breath, whatever that is and whenever that is, 
um, you will face Jesus. And you'll face him as either Savior and protector or as your judge. You'll face him as either the sa- your Savior, the one who rescued your soul from sin and death, or the one who will judge you for your sin and condemn you to hell for the rest of your eternity. And listen to this pastor. Regardless of whatever it is that you claim to believe or whatever you don't believe about Jesus, you will face him and you will give an account for your life. The life you lived and what did you do with Jesus? Repentance or rejection? That's the two options. Repentance to follow Jesus, rejection of Jesus. That's, that's what's coming down the pipe for all of us. You may ask, well, preacher, tell me how to follow Jesus then. <laughs> this is the real easy answer. Yeah, that's, a, that's a good choice. I want the Jesus one. Good choice. So how do you follow Jesus? The scripture is very clear. You pray this specific prayer and you just say the right words and hocus pocus, you're a Christian. That's not it at all. Okay, disregard what I just said. Here's, what, here's how you follow Jesus. Repentance and faith. You recognize the fact that I can't be righteous on my own. I can't, Jesus requires us to be 100% righteous, never sinning, never getting, ne- always getting it all right. And how many of you have hit that category? S- scanning? Yeah, none of you. And me either. I'll take my hand up. Yeah, none of us have hit that. So he requires repentance and faith. What does that mean? It means I recognize that I'm a sinful person, that I've sinned against a holy and righteous God, and that my sins are counted against me. And, and that I need to repent, and I need to put my faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus. Now look, I'm not talking about just believing facts. Most of us in here have grown up in the South or have been around enough to know some facts about Jesus. Jesus is God's son, that he came and lived a sinless life, that he died on the cross, and three days later he rose again. And we know facts about Jesus. You know who else knows facts? Hmm, Satan? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, the devil knows a lot of facts about Jesus, right? But the devil ain't making it. And neither will you, listen, if all you know is facts. A lot of people know facts that are outside the household of faith. But it's not just head knowledge. It's not just the fact that your grandma went to church. It's not just the fact that your daddy planted a church. It's not your fact that you belong to a family that goes to church and believes. It's not because you've got some feelings along the way that you get real funny feelings along the way and go, well, I mean, that song was good and it made me cry. That doesn't mean that you're a Christian. That means that you're not, but that's not what makes you a Christian. Repentance and faith. Repent and believe the gospel, that Jesus came, that he is your only hope, that he lived the sinless life that you cannot live. He died on a cross. When we talk about Good Friday, he died on a cross and shed his blood to cover your sin debt. The scripture says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And that the blood of the sacrificial animals all through this Bible didn't take away anybody's sin. They were pointing to the precious lamb of God, Jesus who was to come. And when we trust in his sinless life, his vicarious, his, his sacrificial uh, uh, dying on the cross and his vicarious resurrection that we celebrate on Easter, we put our faith and trust in that alone. 
for our salvation. The scripture says that we become Christians. We repent and believe the gospel, that that is the only way. This brings us to the good news of Resurrection Sunday. What does that provide for us? One, it provides rescue. Trusting in Jesus provides rescue. Jesus accomplished and secured salvation when he rejected saving himself so he could save you. He had an opportunity. He's like, Father, if there's any other way to do this, let's do it. If there's any other way for this to happen, let's do it. At the end, he said, you know what? Not my will, but yours be, your will be done, Father. I want to accomplish your will. And you know what the Father's will was? To make much of the Son to save the world. Remember, Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world because the world is condemned already, but so that the world might be saved through him. And in this divine moment of obedience, all that was lost on a tree in the garden was regained on a tree at Golgotha. All the distrust that was lost in the garden whenever the Adam and Eve were deceived by the serpent, all that trust that was lost, that we can trust in a resurrected king today. When Satan came and, and, and tempted and tricked Adam and Eve to believe a lie, Jesus said, I've come to testify to the truth. When Satan came and said, you know what? What God says is probably not true. I've got another way that you can be okay. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. After Adam and Eve sinned, sinned and they were exposed because of their sin, Jesus has come to cover all of our sin. And it's when Satan tried to finish God's plan by going, I've tricked him, I've foiled his plan with the first two people he made, Adam and Eve. I've got him finished. Jesus came died on the cross. You know what he said? Now it's finished. Now it's finished. When Jesus cried out, it is finished, this is what he said. Righteousness was perfected. It is finished, which means the, the uh, righteousness has been accomplished. Righteousness has been fulfilled through me. He's like the divine justice was satisfied. God had to punish sin, and he laid on sin, we laid on Jesus the iniquity, the sin of us all. Blood was shed. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Redemption was paid. Sins were forgiven. Reconciliation between God and man was achieved. Death was conquered, and, and salvation was secured at the cross and at the resurrection of Jesus. And now, as we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, all that was lost in the garden was regained in a garden. And, re and we are rescued through Jesus' reconciliation. Listen, here's what your conscience is going to tell you. It ain't ever finished. It's not really finished. You, you need to do more to be right with God. You need, to be tr you need to try a little bit harder to be right with God. But what did Jesus say? Three words. I just said them. What were they? It is finished, yes. And, and what? cemented the truth that Je what Jesus was saying is true? The resurrection. 
what we're celebrating today, what cemented the things that Jesus said was true. How do we know that he was telling us the truth? It's the resurrection of Jesus. Back to the capstone. Jesus is alive. He's the thing that holds all things together. Remember what I said at the top of the sermon. If Jesus uh, rose from the dead, then you have to accept everything that he said. And if he didn't rise from the dead, why worry about anything that he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching or not, but it's whether or not he rose from the dead. Here's how this played out in the scripture. What we saw is at Jesus' crucifixion, some of his disciples, what'd they do? Scram. I mean, they, they were out. They were like, let's go run. I don't want to get this, I don't want this to happen to me. And they were out. But after Jesus' resurrection, and after he appeared to them, man, the, the New Testament church, was the disciples were like, oh boy, we, we in for a new game now. Remember, they, they met with Jesus. Some of them placed his hand in his side. They touched his hands where the nails were, in his, were pierced through his hands. And they were like, this is a new game. Now, here's what we know. If you like standing on some lie, and somebody's going to come and go, you know what? I think you're lying. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to tie one leg to uh, 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 a GMC 2500 diesel. And we're going to tie another leg to a Ford, which won't be quite as good, uh, diesel. <laughs> and we're going to send them in opposite directions with your legs tied to them unless you recant what it was that you said about Jesus, about his being raised from the dead. Now, if you're a disciple, and they had trucks back then, just go with the example, okay? And they tied your legs to the trucks. At some point, don't you go... Hey, wait, hang on. <laughs> Let, let's rethink this. They're about to split me in half because I'm saying that Jesus was raised from the dead. You know, I'm not, okay, let, let's just stop. But none of them recanted. Not one of them. Hanged upside down, hung, heads chopped off, martyred, for the cause of Christ, because they saw the resurrected Jesus. And whenever they saw the resurrected Jesus, and they proclaimed the resurrected Jesus all through the world, the, the New Testament church was born, and it was birthed, and churches began to be planted, and people began to come and follow Jesus, and the good news of the gospel began to spread around the world. And we are here today because the gospel got planted 13 years ago, and, and we decided to plant the gospel and call it the Refuge Church, and so many of you have come to know Jesus. There are going to be people today that are going to be baptized today because the, we're spreading the news of the gospel and Jesus is still saving people. Amen? That's happening today. And because of the resurrection of Jesus, continue to happen today. Your return, and so what did the, re, uh, the resurrection of Jesus secure? It secured your redemption, your eternal salvation from sin. The great shepherd became the sacrificial lamb to save his flock, to save you and me. Romans chapter 5, here's what the, if you're, you're already in Romans, turn over to chapter 5 if you want to follow along with me. I'm going to pick up in verse 6. Here's what this text says. For while we were still weak, the right time, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps... For a good person, one would dare even to die, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
Do you hear that? God doesn't wait for you to get it right. God doesn't wait for you to get your heart right. God doesn't wait for you to get your act together while we're still sinners because we're all sinners. While we're still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore, we have now been justified, made right with God by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Salvation says, I'm going to lay the wrath for your sin on Jesus rather than laying the wrath for your sin on you. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Then go to verse 18. Therefore, listen, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, Adam, okay, garden, Genesis 3, as one trespass, one sin led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, Adam, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. This is Easter. That's Easter. See, God, again, didn't come into the world to condemn us as sinners, because we're already condemned. Jesus came so that the world, so that you might be saved through him. How does this happen, you say, preacher? Get to this. I, I, I'm with you now. How, how does this happen? Well, first, you repent. Recog Here's what it means. To recognize that you are a sinner. To admit that you're a sinner. Sin keeps you alienated from God. Actually an enemy of God. You're outside the household of faith. You are dead, the scripture says, in your trespasses and sins, alienated from the righteousness and the salvation that Jesus offers. And so we repent by turning to the only way, to turning to Jesus. And not, again, just intellectual understanding about him, but to surrender your life to him today. And so these are your options whenever you get down, when it boils down to it. You'll meet God as your adoptive father rather, or you'll meet him as your, your eternal judge. You'll meet God as your adopted father or you'll meet him as your eternal judge. Or as my friend Ed Wong would say, turn or burn. Hey, with repentance comes great reward. All these start with R. It's a pirate sermon. It comes great reward. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of His dear face all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. Big finish. Till we see Jesus. Till we see Christ. <laughs> That's it. Sins are forgiven. The fellowship that was lost from Adam is restored. 
We are adopted as beloved sons. Look, some of you may be adopted. Some of you may have a bad adoptive situation. Maybe you don't get along with your mom and your daddy. But listen, we're talking about our heavenly father that loves us enough to bring us out of our own sin and and, uh, adopt us into his family to make us one of his own. He gives us eternal life. He gives us hope. And then the presence of the Holy Spirit comes and is our helper to live this life that he calls us to live. Jesus said, it's better that I go away and I'm going to send the helper to come. And whenever we repent of our sins and put our faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus, it's not that we grit our teeth and go, we'll get there one day. It's not the way it goes. The Spirit of God comes and lives within us and is our helper to live this life that he calls us to live. Helper to do what? Last one, reorient our lives. Jesus and his resurrection changes everything. Everything changes everything. Following Jesus and being filled with the Spirit should change everything in you and me as well. Listen, before Jesus was executed, he washed the feet of the man who would betray him. And as he was being arrested, uh, one of his followers took a sword and cut the ear off someone that was there to arrest Jesus in the garden. And Jesus picked up the ear and put it back on and healed the guy who was there to arrest him. And as Jesus hung naked on a cross, he asked the Father to forgive his killers. That's what it looks like to love your enemies. Jesus calls us to do much of the same. God with us changes everything. God with us should change you and me. We should be different if God is with us. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Because of Easter, because of the fact of the resurrection, because of the fact that Jesus changes everything, I urge you today to follow Jesus. I'm not asking you to be a religious person. I'm certainly not religious. I'm not asking you to do more religious activities. I'm not asking you to do whatever that thing is in your mind that you think is what Christianity has been and the reason you've been running away from it for so long. I'm asking you, if you're outside the household of faith and you have not been born again, that you are, if you're not a Christian today, to really follow Jesus today. Admit that you're a sinner. Be willing to turn from your wicked and sinful ways. Repent of your religiosity. Repent of your sin today. And choose today, literally, listen church, choose today whom you will serve. I I hope that this Resurrection Sunday will be the mark for some of you that you go back to and say, today I followed Jesus. Today, I decided that I'm serving Jesus. Today, I'm submitting my life. Whatever days and years and trips around the sun that I've got left, I'm going to serve Jesus. 
today, I'm going to live, listen, like the resurrection matters to me. Others of you are already Christians. But because of the pandemic, because of some way that some church has hurt you in the past, because of something that was whack in your family's background or some church you went to, you've just been away from church. And you're going, I I really want to be part of something, but I'm a little bit afraid. I I get that. It's been so long since I've been to church, and I want to get back. Man, today's a great day to let this be number one. One. Yes, good. Get back. If not here, and we'd love to have you here, but if not here, find a, a church that preaches the gospel, that points to Jesus and Jesus alone, that doesn't give you some long laundry list of things to do for your righteousness, but preaches Christ and Him crucified, that sings music about Jesus, and go there. But for all of us, whether you're going to follow Jesus today, or whether you're coming back to Jesus today, or whether you've been following Him for most of your life, let today be the first day of many days as we follow our resurrected King. Amen? Let's pray.